Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant. Day four in exile, Will Bond. This should be opening day. It's not opening day, obviously, but we're going to start with baseball. Scott Van Pelt interviewed Rob Manfred last night. And Rob Manfred said, look, we don't know when we're going to start. We're going to try and play as many games as we can, and we're open to all possibilities. One of the possibilities that we want to talk about that he's open to are doubleheaders lasting only seven innings, two games, seven innings each. Mike, do you think that the nine-inning game is sacrosanct? Tony, it is to me, (laughs) but I've been living with baseball in its sort of fairly pure form for my whole life. And so, and I know you have as well. But Tony, they've been playing these yeah. seven inning double headers in the minors. And baseball's been experimenting with things. And so I, I don't think baseball will actually do these things you're talking about. Now, I watched Rob Manfred last night with Scott Van Pelt, and it was fascinating. The whole conversation was fascinating. But Tony, baseball promises a lot of stuff. We're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And they don't do anything. They don't even enforce the stuff they have on the books. So I know I, I, I applaud people for considering things in these times in the context of the world we're in now. But I don't believe yeah. a, a word of it, really. And I believe baseball will adopt something that is closer to what we consider the norm. OK, so I'm going to talk about it from a strategic point of view. This would really help teams with real good deep starting pitching. The Washington Nationals, for example, they got three guys who can live like this all year. They got Scherzer, they got Strasburg, they've got Corbin. I think it would hurt you if you built your roster to have a good and deep bullpen, because instead of four guys, you really only need two now. And I think while pitchers might be happy with it, hitters will not be, because it's fewer at-bats, it's fewer chances for home runs and RBIs. What what? What bothers me a little bit is I think they will go to it, and I hope it's not a clinical trial, Mike. I hope it's something that's just because desperate times cause des- uh, call for desperate measures. I don't want to see, to me, baseball, this is literally, to me, real baseball, Major League Baseball is nine innings, and I don't want to see millennials being appeased because they want things <laughs> shorter. So I'm a little nervous. I, I, if it's this year, okay, but I'm nervous about it. Be careful. You're going out to millennials like I have for the past 10 years all of a sudden. Tony, I haven't examined it the way you just did. I'm not going to disagree with anything you said strategically. Tony, I just don't believe it. So I can't make my mind go there. Baseball's not going to adopt it. Every year they talk about ways they can make the game faster. They can quicken the pace. And it's just they just... Tony, they don't do anything. Baseball promises. And so if they did this, I'd be okay with it, I think. But I don't believe for one nanosecond that baseball is going to adopt. By the way, the marketing people, you know what I I hate the marketing people three times more than I hate the millennials. And the marketing people will suggest anything. And then baseball's poobahs, the grand poobahs, the powers that be will say, eh, we're not doing that. Mike, if they want to get in 162 games, they may think of something like this. I think 100, 120 is going to be fine. It's a significant change to go to seven innings. It's not something I'm crazy about. 
No. Yeah, I'm not crazy about it either. And Manfred said we're not doing 162. So unlikely. So I'm going to take him at his word. Tony, let's go but to if you do, for a if second. you do double headers, Mike, if you do double headers and you go day-night double headers, it's an extra gate. The players get paid more money. Everybody uh, no. makes a little more money. They would split it. Give me a one to ten on what chance you think this has of happening, what you just described. All the stuff they talked about. One to ten. Eight. This year. Really? Eight. Wow. Eight. I'm going to say a one. And I'm not saying zero because I'm in an optimistic mood today. How about that? Tony, let's go to pro football. Brady, uh, another another Brady, you know, day 49 of Tom Brady goes somewhere else other than New England. Joe Montana talked to USA Today, the great Joe Montana, who at one point both of us considered the greatest quarterback of all time. And Montana says, quote, I don't know what's going on inside there, meaning New England, but somebody made a mistake. I still don't understand how New England let him get away. I don't understand that. It's not about appreciation, Montana said, dismissing one of the prevailing theories. He wants control. I mean, he wants a lot of control. He's talking about Brady. Tony, um, what stood out to you about those comments from Joe Montana? Okay, so if I, if I understand these correctly, and Joe Montana said a lot of different things, two things stand out. One is that he said he, he's amazed that Brady actually left. And I think, you know, I think he's intimating that New England wouldn't or couldn't satisfy Brady. And I think as a player, he probably sides with Brady ahead of Belichick, even though he played for the great Bill Walsh, and he probably thinks that New England wouldn't satisfy Brady. But second, and maybe more important to me, there's a passage in which he talks about Bruce Arians and the passing game that Bruce Arians likes, and it's a deep passing game. And he talks about how long Brady's going to have to hold the ball. At New England, Brady had quick counts and he got rid of the ball in a hurry. He went short a lot. If you have to go long and you're 43 and you're essentially immobile and you're waiting a long time, you could end up picking yourself off the turf a whole lot more than you've ever done before. And that one, I think, is significant from a playing standpoint. Tony, what, Bruce Arians is a no to Tom Brady's 43 and can't move around and can't hold the ball? He's Bruce Arians. He knows all that stuff. What surprised me about it, Tony, was that Montana was surprised. You know, Joe Montana was involved in something not identical, but similar in some ways. I was talking to our, our, our dear friend Ray Ratto about this on the way in here, Tony. And Ratto covered the entire, you know, Montana, Bill Walsh, Steve Young. And it's not the same because right. Brady was a free agent and he, and he walked away on his own. And, and Montana, after not playing for a couple of years, was, was dealt away. But you had Steve Young. You don't have that sort of proven commodity in New England, so it's very different. But I'm surprised that Montana surprised. Tony, Montana also thought apparently that winning Super Bowls was going to appease Bill Walsh and the powers that be. I'm, I'm sure it would, did his owner because his owner loved him, Eddie DeBartolo. But he thought it was going to appease him in, in some way similar to Brady thinking that all of this, this loyalty, the winning, the extreme winning was going yeah. to appease and satisfy and give him a bigger buy-in with Belichick. And, and it didn't. And so I'm surprised that Joe Montana, having lived through something similar, was so surprised. I'm really glad that we heard from Joe Montana, because as you say, unquestionably, in the Super Bowl era, there's Montana and Brady, and, and they are the best, too. I'll throw one thing out there for you. Uh, Jameis Winston threw a tremendous amount of interceptions. 
I'm wondering if indeed it's a go-long type of offense, if holding the ball contributes to interceptions, and I don't know the answer for that. And we will move on. We'll stay in football, though. We'll talk about Eric Dickerson, who is now calling himself the Rambassador, which is a fabulous name. Isn't that great? And he has looked at the new logos, new logos for the L.A. Rams, and he has felt the pain that a lot of fans have. He doesn't particularly like the logo. He senses they don't like the logo. And he said, look, I'm going to go to management for you, for us, and see what I can do. Wilbon, do you think that Rams management will listen to Eric Dickerson? I don't know what Rams management will do, but they ought to. What better liaison between the Rams and their fan base than Eric Dickerson? I mean, Eric Dickerson is beloved, Tony. Make no mistake about that. And, and I, I get to see and talk to Eric, you know, a couple of times a year out, out, out west here, Tony. And Eric Dickerson, he knows what's going on with the Ram fan base, and he understands how people feel about the franchise and, and the things that really uh, Im- impact them, the things they really care about. And apparently, Tony, while you and I can look at this logo and the stuff that it's on and go, we like it, we don't like it. We're not emotionally invested. Dickerson is, and he understands the fan base that is. And, Tony, there's a there's a logo that's the Rams Booster Club logo. I'm looking at it now. That, that There it is. Tony, that is fabulous. Put that on everything. Dickerson's right. The fans, if they're going to love that, you take that and you take what the marketing people did, one more just attack on the marketing people, and you tell them all to get yeah. out. You're taking this new logo. All right, so that logo that you like, if we're thinking about the same logo, I don't particularly like it because it looks Come like on. a dog with ram's horns. No, I don't like it. And I don't like the one that they've settled on because, as I said the other day, it looks like it ought to go on the side of a roller derby helmet. But they ought to listen they ought to listen to their Rambassador, who should put that on a license plate, because he got Jeff Fisher fired a few years back. And they, the Los Angeles Rams are not the Dodgers, and they're not the Lakers, and they're looking for a foothold, and you can't antagonize the fans. What you ought to do no. is, and I hate to say this because it'll make you so happy, throw the marketing people under the bus. Yes. I will tell you this. I yes. read deep into it, and the colors, the blue color they call Rams Royale, I think, and the yellow color is Sal. Like, I grew up with a lot of guys named Saul. I think they're <laughs> thrilled with that. I do. Tony, I don't think anybody lately in the past, oh, 70 years, grew up with anybody named Saul. I'm just saying. Okay? Saul. And by the way, <laughs> there are very few iconic things in the NFL. There's the Cowboy star. There's the Rams horn. Then you stay with it. Don't just fool around with it. The logo you just trashed had the Ram, the actual like Ram it. and the horns. Yeah. Put some Again, glasses on, no, old it man. It looks like a dog. It looks like a dog <laughs> with horns. Put some glasses on and then get off my lawn. Um, we're going to take a break, Tony. We're going to come back with happies. What do you think? No. Hello, this is your apartment. I need some favors from you. Your cat keeps rubbing against the kitchen island, and I can't return the favor. Can you give her extra pets for me? After that, could you bundle your renters and car insurance with GEICO? We could save money, and it's easy to do online. And one last thing. Could you leave the TV on during the day? I need to catch up on my soaps. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to GEICO.com today. It could be a routine drive to pick up the kids after school or an epic road trip across the country. No matter where your travels take you, we know those miles count. 
We're Marathon. We have over 5,700 stations across our great nation. Our people are working hard every day to provide you with quality top-tier gasoline to improve engine performance and fuel your life. Marathon, fueling the American spirit. Happy time, everybody. Happy 60th birthday, Marcus Allen, one of the greatest running backs of all time, college and pro, which is why he's in both the College Hall of Fame and the NFL Hall of Fame. He won a national championship at USC, then won the Heisman Trophy in 1981. He went to the Raiders in the NFL, where he was the league MVP in 1985 and the MVP of Super Bowl 18. How many people have that college championship and a Super Bowl? To this day, Marcus Allen is number three in all-time rushing touchdowns in the NFL, behind only Emmitt Smith and LaDainian Tomlinson with 123. And he's very, very handsome, so I hate him. (laughs) Tony, for all those reasons, I I like him. Can't you use the word elegant to describe the way Marcus Allen ran the football? And remember, with that bizarre dispute with Al Davis, he, he was put on ice for like, I don't know, three or four seasons. His numbers would have been even just, you know, out the door if he had played regularly in the prime of his life. He, he wasn't out there, which is a shame. I love Marcus Allen. I really do. Happy anniversary, Bill Walton. On this day, 47 years ago, Walton made 21 of 22 field goal attempts and scored 44 points to lead UCLA past Memphis State for their seventh straight NCAA championship. Memphis State had Larry Keenan and Tubby Finch, but they were no match for Walton, whose 44 points is still the NCAA final game record. To that point, UCLA was 60-0 and in games that Walton played. <laughs> Wilbon, I was at that game. It was wow. in the St. Louis arena. Because wow. of the foot injuries that curtailed his NBA career, people don't realize how great Walton was. 21 of 22. Come on. Afterwards, Walton joked that John Wooden told him, I used to think you were a good player until you missed that one shot. Tony, that's the defining game of my early life. I guess I was, I don't know, 14 and watching the game with my father and my brother. I can't forget it. It is the most remarkable performance. I put it up there above any performance in any championship situation that I've ever seen all these years later, 47 years later. Wow. I agree with you. A melancholy trails to Curly Neal, the former ball-handling wizard and crowd-pleaser for the Harlem Globetrotters, died today at age 77. Curly was not Neal's given name. His given name was Fred. He got the nickname Curly because when he began shaving his head, his teammates thought he looked like Curly of the Three Stooges. Curly Neal delighted Globetrotter crowds for 22 seasons, from 1963 to 1985, appearing in more than 6,000 games in 97 countries. His number 22 was retired by the Trotters, joining Meadowlark, Lemon, Marcus Haynes, and Goose Tatum as their most prominent retired jerseys. Curly Neal was known and loved around the world. It's a good thing he didn't believe in load management, Tony. The world wouldn't have seen very much of him. I mean, listen, you know, kids grow up now. You know, my son wants to handle the ball like Kyrie. A generation of people wanted to handle the ball like Allen Iverson. All fine. But, Tony, when we grew up, we wanted to handle the ball like Curly Neal, the greatest ball handler Absolutely. ever. I mean, Isaiah Thomas, I know, yeah. I think I can speak for Isaiah. When you look at him and the way he handled the ball in the pros in Indiana, Curly Neal was in his head, and this just makes me just sad. 
The Globetrotters always had the best ball handler on the planet. Always. All right, Tony. And it's on that note. Curly Neal. We can go out. Curly Neal always had a smile on his face. We're going to put some back on ours right now. <laughs> 